Welcome to the White Man Can Jump podcast with your host, John Whited, a.k.a. Mr. No Look. And today I'm joined by no other than my back, my high school backcourt teammate, Darren Freeman. How you doing, Free? I'm good, man. I'm good. Glad to be here. Currently, it's 345 left in the Nets and Brooklyn game, or Nets and uh, Milwaukee game. Game is all but over, and the series might all but be over with Kyrie going down with another injury. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Free? Is there any chance the Nets can salvage this if Kyrie's out for the series? I mean, unless Harden's on his way back and he's just been chilling because he didn't have to play, I think they're going to be looking at a tough uphill battle if both of those guys are out and it's just KD. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before we went on the podcast, um, you know, if Kyrie had gone down in the last couple minutes of this game and the Nets had won and made it 3-1, uh, it might be interesting because Kevin Durant being, you know, the best or second best player in the world could single-handedly win at least one game out of three. Um, but to win two out of three, that's asking a lot, uh, especially with the role players playing the way they are. Um, the past few games, which is you know part of the reason why they've lost two in a row, um, it's just crazy to think you know think back five days ago when Brooklyn was up 2-0, everyone called the series a wrap, and now it looks like it wrapped the other way. No, uh, and it's funny you say that because watching the game, they're like, oh, the Nets will have such a hard time against the great Milwaukee Bucks team. I was like, bro, <laughs> a few days ago, y'all were questioning if they had what it takes to make it out of this round, if they were, they needed to blow up the team, but now they're back to being a great team. So funny how the narrative will change up on you quick. That's a 24-7 media coverage world that we live in, um, for better or worse. But, um, you know, we can dive into the game a little bit. I mean, I like to call this the P.J. Tucker game. Um, he had a great game. You know, this is the reason why they traded for him in the regular season. Um, he showed, you know, he was capable of hitting the corner three. He was three for six. Uh, they all corner threes. Um, played great defense on Kevin Durant. Held him in check. Um, he did go off in the third quarter a little bit. But anytime, you know, you hold... Kevin Durant to 28 points on 25 shots. Um, you're doing something really well. Um, so he was the X factor in the game today and, you know, uh, really helped him out where he hasn't done much this playoff. So this is this is exciting for the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I know people look at his points and they say, well, he scored nine points all series, had what he had tonight. <clears throat> but he does so much other stuff that, changes the whole dynamic of the whole Bucks team. Just his presence, his energy helps everybody think they're a little bit tougher than what they might be. Yeah, he brings intangibles. And, you know, we were talking during the game. Um, he's just a guy you'd want to have on your team. You'd, mu you'd hate playing against him, but you love having him on your team. And um, those are the guys you want to go to war with, especially this time of year. Um, another guy I wouldn't mind going to war with is uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Did his thing again. Um, he uh, 34, 12, and 3 um, in 38 minutes. Just, you know, unstoppable getting to the rim today. Didn't settle for as many threes. He, he still shot five of them, which every time he shoots one, Brooklyn it does a sigh of relief because 
they're just bailing them out. And uh, you should never do that when the other team, <laughs> when you know the other team is very excited. When you do something, don't do that thing. But he still got to the rim. He made a huge impact. Um, he posterized Jeff Green. Didn't, didn't, didn't get the call, but <laughs> we will not forget that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, everyone had the narrative, you know, you can't win with Giannis as your best player um, after the first two games, and he's kind of changed that the last few games, showing why he's the two-time MVP. And I've I've never been, you know, the biggest Giannis guy, you know, back when him and Harden were going at it, and he's like, yeah, I wish all I had to do was be tall and, you know, dunk the ball. It would be nice. And so I, that kind of was like, yeah, he doesn't have the same skill set, but he is perfecting the things that he's good at. And I think that it showed in these last few games. He's going to have to keep doing it, though, for them to keep trying to make a run at this thing. And he's going to have to prove it. He's just going to have to prove it. If he's a two-time MVP, if he's that guy, he's going to have to show up like this and have Middleton have his back. Drew Holiday has to show up because he can't shoot the ball. So they're going to have to make shots. Speaking of that, he is 5-10 from the line today, which is an improvement from some of the other games. Um, and there's been much controversy over his 10-second calls or lack thereof at other times. And, you know, not that I'm a free-throw expert, but, uh, you know, I don't think someone that shoots that poorly from the line should just stare at the rim for 12 seconds before he shoots it. There's nothing good going on in his head while he's doing that. I wish I, wish I could talk to him, tell him just... One dribble, spin, little spin in your hand, throw it up there. And let it go. Yeah. You can't get any worse yeah, than where it's starting There's nothing off worse than thinking about a shot before you shoot it. it. No matter if you have the free throw line, three-point line, mid-range, just it, nothing good happens when you're thinking about it like that. He's, but I do think the way they're trying to break it down, he takes such a you know, beating throughout the game. He's definitely buying some extra timeouts. You're going to foul me 12 times today? Great. Those are 12 little mini timeouts that we're taking so I can catch my breath because I do have to work so hard to get every bucket I get because I can't cross-cross pull-up. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and speaking of that, like, Budenhoser had gotten a lot of crap for not playing Giannis heavy minutes in the playoffs, and rightfully so. you got to go down with your best players, and, you know, a lot of times he was in the low to mid-30s and big-time games. Today he played 38 minutes and sat off the last four, so he would have played 42, which is right about where you want your superstar to be playing in the playoffs. He does need – you need to get him a little rest at the end, you know, the beginning of the fourth and second quarter. Um, get him three minutes so he can catch his breath and be ready for um, crunch time. But, um, you know, on top of – um, Giannis playing better. Middleton's played better the last two games. Um, you know, he had 35 and 15 boards in game three on 12 and 15 shooting. It was much more aggressive. They got him the ball a lot more in better positions. Um, take a little of the burden off Giannis, which I think really helped. Um, he ended up today with a real efficient game. Um, you know, 19 and 8 assists. He had 7 in the first half. Um, you know, making plays and um, him. And Drew Holiday, you know, also had nine assists. So, you know, the big three didn't necessarily, you know, score 90 points like the other big three can, but they all did their thing. They, they played good defense, all three of them, and, uh, and they're looking kind of like they did at the end of the last series where everyone thought they had a good chance to beat this team with Kyrie and Harden. True. That is true. So, 
you know, it, it is crazy how fast things can change and, you know, um, and, you know, the Bucks have all the momentum and, um, and all the confidence right now. So, you know, it would be, you know, we obviously don't know Kyrie's status and we don't know when James Harden come back. So, you know, right now it looks like you might think that neither of them are coming back. Um, but I hope we get a surprise and at least one of them comes back and we get, you know, the last three games of this series are really tight and good. And we get the seven game series. We were hoping we were at the beginning. Um, but if they're both out, I, I think this series is a wrap. Um, and, you know, that's just sad because, you know, this was one of the most highly anticipated second round series probably ever. And, you know, to have it, you know, essentially ended by injuries um, just sucks. And, and that's one thing you, you just kind of have to understand is every year the title is impacted by injuries in some way or another. It's, it's sad, it sucks, but it's the reality. And it's not always who's the best at the end. So sometimes it's who the healthiest. And right now the Nets are the best, but they are the least healthy. So that's not a good combination. And I was asking too, it's Kyrie, this happens. This isn't a rare occurrence for Kyrie to go down in the playoffs. And I wonder if that's going to start to be something that people bring up when they start talking about Kyrie. We talk about Uncle Drew and the moves and how many different ways he can score. But now I'm worried, is that going to be something that carries him along or is it just bad luck? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, uh, he went down to 2015 finals. Um, He misses time regularly for God knows what personal time during the regular season. So, I mean, it's definitely um, a cause for concern and um, and definitely could be a little asterisk on, you know, his playoff career, which, you know, he obviously has one of the most important and memorable shots in NBA history. Um, you can never take that away from him, but uh, we're just watching the injury again right now, and that does not look good. It looks like a high ankle sprain, um, but we'll see. Um, but, yeah, the... Unfortunately, the fate of this series it rests in the hands of injuries, and you hate to see it. Um, but I wouldn't mind. The Bucks are, you know, worthy of being in the conference finals and everything like that. So it's not like we're getting we're going to get a bad series next round because of these injuries, which is you know at least good in that regard. Um, you know, looking more from the net side of it, outside the injuries. I mean, Kevin Durant, like I said, he he got his. He had 16 in the third quarter. Um, didn't play the, the, about the last half of the fourth quarter, um, ended up with 28. He had to work hard for that 28. Um, he had 13 rebounds, five assists to go along. So if he's going to, they're going to have a chance at all. He's going to have to play a little better than that. Um, play at the level he's playing in the 2017, 2018 finals when he went toe to toe with LeBron and they ended up winning. Um, and obviously they're going to need help from the supporting cast, which, used to not really need at all. You just needed them to not turn the ball over, play defense, um, you know, knock down open jumpers. But, you know, for instance, Joe Harris was one of 11 last game, three of eight this game, you know, eight points tonight. Um, they're going to need more out of him. He's, he's really their X factor. Um, you know, he can't – problem is there's not many people left on the roster that can create their own shot um, aside from Kevin Durant. Um, Jeff Green can a little bit. Um, he's not quite the player he used to be as he's gotten older, but, um, you know, you got Blake Griffin, who's not the same athlete he used to be. Um, he's been playing well in these playoffs, but, 
you look around and it's KD versus the world. I mean, but does that have to be the case? We're talking about basketball here. Like, it's a team game. Yeah. So there should be points where, yeah, if KD's the only guy that can create his own shot, isn't it supposed to be Steve Nash's job to get the other guys open? Yeah, and who who better to get someone open than the guy who was probably one of the best passers to ever played the game? Um, and he's done a great job with that all year. That's that's the one thing the Nets have going for him is this isn't the first time they've dealt with injuries this year. Um, it's been a constant throughout the year. They I can't remember how many starting lineups they had, but it was an insane number. So Steve Nash is used to pulling pulling the strings, and and a lot of times he made the right call. So you know maybe he can put these. Uh, role players in a position to seed and and maybe shock the world and come back and win this that, that's once again assuming Kyrie and Harden are out for the series even debilitated versions of them he's still going to have to change a lot of what they do yeah and you know given the big three everyone thinks that it's just iso ball iso ball but the ball movement they have is actually really good um you know it's even better when Harden's in there because he's He's the facilitator. Like no one ever thought he was going to take on that role. When you know he got traded, he just thought he was going to be the same player he was in Houston, and they're going to have three guys just going one on one constantly. But he was he, he was a pass first guy, which I never thought I'd say. Oh, and I mean, it's almost like you go into the gym. He's like, oh, these are the guys I get to pass to. Okay, I'll actually pass <laughs> the ball now. <laughs> when before I didn't really feel like doing it. But even when he was in Houston, he would say like. I'm shooting all these shots for my team, not so you guys can pat me on the back and tell me how good I am. It was part of what was schemed up. That was the scheme. Give them the ball. And so he had to do those things to carry out the game plan. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely put in a position where that's what he had to do. Um, we just hadn't seen him do anything other than that since his time in OKC where he was on a different level as a player. He was really good. He wasn't superstar. good. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, but who knows if we'll see him going forward, um, you know, and like we can't emphasize enough. That's really what, how this series will be dictated is whether or not one of them or both of them can come back. Um, hope, hopefully for our sake, they do. So we can see, um, a really exciting last three games. Hopefully it goes seven. Um, but I'm not going to hold my breath on that one after today. Um, Let's shift gears and uh, talk about the game coming up tonight. Um, Suns and Nuggets. Uh, Suns up 3-0 after pretty dominating performance in, in Game 3 and really the whole series. Um, Chris Paul, the leader of the team, has been you know anything and everything for this team. You know, A lot of people call him the point god. I like to call him the pace god. He, uh, he sets the pace. He sets the tone for the team. Um, there was an assist he had a couple nights ago to Darius Sarge on the break. Uh, a little no look that, you know, the whole crowd went crazy when he did it. And he was running the break, and he was going slower than everyone else. It is so funny to watch. Like, everyone else is sprinting, both on, on defense and offense. And he's just, like, going half speed, everyone, just analyzing everything and just makes the perfect pass at the perfect time. And um, he's put his team in a position to compete for the title, and that's what they're doing. And no one really thought this was possible before the season. Um, you know, Booker made a leap. Bridges made a leap. Aiton made a little leap. Um, the, the role players have been better than thought. So, um, you know, 
And you talk about Chris Paul's stats in this series, assist turnover ratio is crazy. He had, you know, in game three, he had 15 assists and, or game two, sorry, 15 assists and zero turnovers. That's the third different team he's done it with. The fact that he's done it three times in the playoffs crazy. is crazy. Yeah. Um, he's 34 to three in the series. Um, he's got four steals in the series, so he's net positive in turnovers. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. And in his last six games, he's got a 10 to one assist to turnover ratio, 60 assists and six turnovers. I mean, that's just unreal. I mean, is lack of turnovers overrated though? Like, there are times when guys are hustling and they make a play and it results in a turnover. The ball's going out of bounds, but now you throw it into the backcourt, that's a turnover. And so. All turnovers aren't created equal. Yeah. Correct. Sure. And so, does that mean that. Yes, he is doing a lot, but there's also things he's not doing. I don't know. I'm just. Well, I, I see what you're saying. Like, if he, if you're playing not to turn the ball, like you're playing scared, playing not to lose, right? Like, kind of that mentality. Like, yeah, like if you have four assists and zero turnovers when you got the ball in your hands, much Chris Paul, like that makes sense. Like, yeah, you probably should be forcing the issue a little more getting at least eight assists and maybe having three turnovers. Like, you'd probably rather that because better stuff's going to come out of it. Like, they might not be directly assists from Chris Paul, but it might be a hockey assist or, you know, whatever. Um, but, no, I, I'm not going to take anything away from Chris Paul. <laughs> I've always loved him since uh, I met him on Bourbon Street right after he got drafted. Um, so, I, I, I can never say a bad thing about Chris Paul, even though sometimes he can be a difficult teammate. Um but I think this past year he's learned that sometimes he is too tough on guys, which the reason he is is because he knows more about basketball than every guy on the court. And that's mm -hmm. why he's as good as he is. But you can't expect everyone to know as much as him because he's a savant. Like, yeah. And he's a savant within the NBA, not like he's a savant compared to the average person. Like, so like you got to realize they're not going to see everything you see. And like, he's not, he hasn't been as hard on them. Like he's still coaching them up like he normally does. But right. like, it's not discouraging them in any way. And that's, I think, been a key for this team, especially how young they are. And I mean, probably with that mix, that's probably got a lot to do with Monty, too, helping him out to he's a great navigate that. Yeah, and not only, he's not only X and O, it's like he's just a great leader. He's a great person. He's a great motivator. Like, and that's that's what this team needs. And like, he's gone through some adversity in his life um, with his wife. And I'm sure you heard that story. And it's, it's crazy. And, and I think that's changed his perception on life and in basketball and everything else. And he tries to use that to motivate his players. And, um, I remember at the end of the bubble last year, they showed his speech that he gave to them after they went eight, no, and missed the playoffs. And he's like, we're just building on something here. They didn't even know they were getting Chris Paul at the time, but he was right. like, next year, we're just going to pick up where we left off. And everyone believed it at that time. And they, that's exactly what they did. They picked up where they left off and they might end up with a championship. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, now that that's potentially are out, like, it's really wide open. Like, you know, like it was kind of wide open in the sense that you didn't know who the second team was going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like, all right, now like yeah. anyone can legitimately win. So, um, yeah. And, and it's not just Chris Paul, everyone, everyone on this team, it's just a great team. You know, everyone knows the role. Everyone plays it well. Um, the ball moves. Everyone's talking on defense They're moving on a string. Um, in this series, they got five guys averaging 13 or more points. That's Booker, CP3, Bridges, Crowder, and Aiden. Um, getting great contributions off the bench from Campaign, Torrey Craig, who they got 
in a trade that no one talked about uh, right at the deadline. And then Dario Sarge is giving him good minutes as well. Um, what do you like most about what you're seeing from the Suns? I, I've always been in that what-if group looking at that draft that had Luka and Trey and Aiden. I was like, what if the Suns would have picked Luka? <laughs> yeah. What? How would that have turned out? And I always discounted Aiden. Yeah. I, I never really. And in this series, granted, he's going up against, you know, the MVP in the league now. But Aiden has shown me a lot to say, oh, y'all thought maybe y'all get Chris Paul one day and it'll all work out. <laughs> and so I'm, I like it now because it, it fits. They fit They honestly, together. like, well, yes, the, the, no one would deny Luke is better than Aiden. Like, it's a fact. Like, you can't deny that. But I don't know that they would be in this spot if they had drafted Luka, because you wouldn't trade for Chris Paul if you have Luka, probably. Right. Um, they're really redundant. They both have to have the ball in their hands at all times, and it's best to have the ball in their hands. Um, so maybe, maybe it would all work out. If they win a championship, it doesn't matter if you drafted Luka. Like, you can yep. you can put that asterisk away, because once you get a ship, just writes everything else off. And even without the chip, like, right now, he's already... He's, he's, Show, he's yeah. showing me that I need to stop thinking about that because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and like, and he's like a big man, like that. You know, you get someone that's that skill, that big, that tall. Um, you know, they don't come around very often. So like, I thought Luca was the best player in that draft, and he, he definitely is. He's proved that. But um, but I, I didn't have a problem with the pick at the time because because those guys don't come around very often. Obviously, Lucas don't, come around, <laughs> Lucas don't come around very often either. I, they might have never come around. And may, they may never come around again. But, um, yeah, the Suns are, you know, have just as good a chance as anyone. I think them and the Jazz are the two best teams in terms of how they gel together um, and how many different ways they can beat you left. Um, so I would love to see a conference finals with them two in it. Um, it would just be, I think, the best basketball um you might not have some of the big names Kawhi Leonard Paul George might not be in there um which that would be a good series too um but I mean I think this series is pretty much a wrap um down 3-0 no one's ever come back from that the Nuggets don't really have the roster to, <laughs> to support that right um confidence for anyone to come back I mean you know without Jamal Murray everyone kind of wrote them off and you know they immediately won 9 of 10 after he got hurt overperformed after yeah this. and um and a lot of that was due to Michael Porter stepping up and filling his shoes. And the only way they had a chance at the series to make it go six or even seven games or, you know, somehow upset him was if Michael Porter was averaging 25 or 30. And he's not doing that at all. He's, <laughs> he's averaging 13.7 on 36% shooting. Mm. Um, it's not very good, 36. Nah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think there's any cause for concerns just a couple bad games but they just couldn't afford them from them and and they just don't have the other players you know will barton came back but like we were talking about earlier you know it's tough to come back in the middle of a playoff series after being out for months i mean even for michael porter jr like him being in that position yeah somebody gets hurt you go in, it's the same thing they talk about with like quarterbacks in the nfl like oh man he came off the bench and that guy was slinging that thing around they're game planning for him yeah, they're they're gunning for you. Every before third Jamal, Jamal Murray yeah. goes down, and they're like, "Well, that was our game plan. We'll kind of just focus on the Jokic portion." Yeah. Now, That's a good point. They're looking to shut you down, and 
makes a difference. Yeah. It's working. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. Yeah, and, um, you know, can't, uh, can't leave this series without, you know, giving Jokic his due, the MVP. Um, Well-deserved this year. Um, almost unanimous. He had 91 out of the 100 first-place votes. Um, I, I don't know how. I mean, you can make a case for maybe Joel Embiid, but he, he didn't play that many games, and I, I thought he should have maybe been unanimous. But that's only happened, I think, once with Steph Curry back in 2015, I think. Um, so not surprised it wasn't unanimous, but, you know, it, it was clear, clear-cut clear winner, and that's how it should have been, you know. He's not having the series he needed to have for them to win. He needed to average about 34, 12, and 10 or something crazy like that, which, you know, he's that good. He's capable right. of doing that. And, you know, he's averaging 26, 14, and 6. I mean, he had the 30, 20, and 10 last game, and they still lost by, like, 15. So, you know, th- that's how that game's going to go. They're, they're not winning this series, obviously. Um, so you can, you know, and so it's tough, you know, with – the way they were playing before Jamal Murray got hurt and Aaron Gordon got in there and they were just killing people. Like I thought for sure they could win the title. Like Mm -hmm. they had just as good a shot as anyone. And so it's sad to see this season kind of went down the drain because of it. But you also think about the timing of that injury was, I think in April, if he takes him about a year to come back, he's going to be coming back right as the playoffs are starting because the playoffs started late this year. Right. So, like, you can't really rely on him to beat Jamal Murray right as the playoffs start after being out a year. So, um, you know, that, that's kind of heartbreaking for the franchise because you don't know how many years you're going to get Jokic and Murray together. Like, yeah. they're both super young, and you want it, like, and they could, they're going to keep getting better, hopefully, and which is crazy to think about <laughs> if Jokic gets any better. But, like, history tells you that you, you continue will, to get yeah. better, right? And so, um, but these are also, like, windows where you can actually win a championship and losing any years like that like lebron using like he only has so many years left and they lost a year this year due to injuries like yeah it's early on in your career but like you just you don't know when you're ever going to get back there and you have that opportunity so um yeah i thought it was heartbreaking for them Jokic, murray the whole team um but you know they still went out and hooped and you know prove people that, you know, they do have a good core outside of them. Um, it's just not enough in the playoffs, unfortunately. Well, I think in other situations and other scenarios, that the MVP gets swept out of the playoffs. I think there's a lot more, you know, huss and fuss going on about yeah. it. And so I think what's happening with Jokic right now, which what I hope is that we're on a, we'll bring this up again later if you don't perform later on. I think they're kind of, in a wait and see mode instead of saying this is unacceptable from you. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and I think it has something like, it's weird to think about, but I think someone has to do with these foreign, like, I feel like they get different attention and criticism like Luca and Jokic. And I don't know why, but it just seems like they, they, they're not under the same spotlight that LeBron and, you know, Giannis and Katie are under for whatever reason that may be. Um, but, you know, Jokic just kills it in the playoffs. You know, overall in his career, he's 26, 11, and 7 on 51, 41, 84 splits from the field and the line, um, which is just insane. So, you know, they're going to be around for the years to come, and, you know, hopefully they can put it all together, stay healthy one year, and 
you know, make a run to at least the finals. Um, but yeah, like I said, that, that series pretty much over. Um, let's shift gears to the, uh, the other Western Conference series, the Jazz and the Clippers. Um, this series has been all about, you know, a second emergence of Donovan Mitchell. Um, I think it's safe to say he's a bona fide superstar now. I don't think many 100%. people would deny that. It seems like his game elevates in the playoffs. Um, for the regular season, he averaged 26.4, 4.3 assists, 5.2, or 4.3 rebounds, 5.2 assists. Um, the last two playoffs, I mean, people don't people forget how good he was in last year's playoffs and, and didn't give him the credit he was due starting this season based off how he played last year. Last year he was 36.3, five boards, 4.9 assists on 63.4% effective field goal. This year he's uh, 32.7, three boards, 5.3 assists on 57.6 effective field goal. Um, first in points per game among players remaining in the playoffs. Um, Luca had him beat, but he, he's no longer around. So um, I think that argument is over that he can't be the best player in a title team and he might just prove us prove people that said that wrong this year no yeah i'm i've been team team spider since the since he wore the rookie shirt like i thought that was supposed to be his his campaign i felt like it was more of a media circus like all right bent but the way he steps up for his team time and time and time again in tougher moments it's not like he's just and maybe that's what people want to see from their guys you know people talk about Giannis MVPs and it was like oh look at what he does consists throughout the regular season and these things happen it's like no there's usually when people get worse Donovan gets better it's like all right this guy he's average he's solid he's good but when it's go time he's ready to go and that's what I've always liked about him yeah, no, I mean, he, he's a hooper, he's a competitor, he wants to rip your heart out, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason he's as good as he is. I mean, he's obviously super talented, uh, he can score from all three levels, he's a pretty solid defender, um, seems to be a pretty good leader, um, and so, yeah, I mean, you want to go to war with that guy, and, um, and yeah, having him as your best player isn't bad, especially when you have other playmakers around you like they do, like. Yeah, he's the primary ball handler. He's the primary playmaker, but they got Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Bogdanovich. Um, Connolly hasn't even played in the series, which is crazy to think that they've done as well as they have without him. It was first-time All-Star this year. Um, so, you know, he doesn't have to do it all himself, which is nice. And mm-hmm. he's got shooting around him, which gives him extra space to operate. Um, you help off him, and you start letting them shoot open threes. They'll start random on you, and it'll be a wrap there like um so i mean they're they're one of the more well-balanced teams and can beat you in many ways um what are your thoughts there no i never thought that i'd start watching playoff series and think jordan clarkson's a game changer i i wrote this down and In 2018, he could not play for more than 30 seconds without the Cavs <laughs> giving up, going on, going on a uh, the other team going on a 6-0 run. Like he was unplayable, but he was their eighth man, so they had to play him every game. But every game it went so bad that he didn't play more than like four minutes. It was I couldn't believe it either. I, I was shocked. And I don't know. I mean, that's a testament not only just to him, but I mean, if you put in the work and the time, 
you can change your game. You could be somebody different if, you know, given the opportunity and you put the work in. So I think with him, love Ingles. I, he's the wing Jokic. Like, he moves so slow. And every time he pulls up that little, I'm like, that's cash. That's going in. He never stops talking to it. I love it. He just smack talking the whole time. Oh, yeah. The and, Australian. And I think that those elements, but even like what you were talking about of the series that you would want to see, I think that those two teams, not only are the teams, the Suns and the Jazz, well-rounded teams, and it would be good for them to play together but the fans being back chain you know it's going crazy yeah. when you're out there in they utah great, great it's job. been insane if it like the fans being back they're giving everybody a great show and the the guys are performing up to the level yeah and it's not just on the offense and they obviously have you know three-time defensive player of the year rudy gobert um there's everyone no doubt it's undisputed is great in the regular season, but um, everyone gives him crap uh, in the playoffs that he, you know, they can sometimes play him off the court and pick and rolls and whatnot. And, and, you know, I don't think that's really well founded. Um, I think he still has a great impact on the game and you obviously want him out there. Um, an example of that through two games in a series, the Clippers are scoring. This is not a typo. 169 points per game clip when he was off the court <laughs> so yeah you might want to have that guy yeah because unless you're scoring 170 points a game i don't think you're going to win too many of those so and it's not just him you know not most of the guys on their team aren't necessarily the most athletic gifted defenders um but they're very well coached mm-hmm. everyone's on a string with each other they communicate very well um and it's just great team defense, and then when you have the anchor behind you, um, you know, it's, that's tough to deal with. Speaking of having an anchor, you know, they finally, the Clippers finally put Kawhi on Donovan Mitchell um, some last, or, yeah, last night, and, uh, you know, I think that made a big difference. I mean, he, he still got 30 points, but it wasn't efficient. He had, I think, 25 shots to get those 30 points, and when Kawhi was on him, he, you know, primarily the first quarter Kawhi was on him pretty much the whole time. He didn't score at all. So I don't know why it took him that long to make that move. Um, you know, I always hear this, well, he has to carry a load on offense. Well, yeah, he's a professional athlete. Like, he should be able to play on both sides yeah. of the ball. No, and I think that's what people always loved about Kawhi is that, oh, he's supposed – there was a point in time where they wanted to hand the crown from LeBron – the Kawhi, that was a real conversation. It was legit. And it's because he's capable of doing those things. And so I don't know if it's a load management while you're playing, but I think he's got to be able to take to take that on to be that guy. And I think that's what people get upset with Kawhi about is that we know we know you are capable of it. Yeah. But let's let's yeah. see it yeah. every day, and exactly. that's yeah. And speaking of Kawhi, like you know, he, he came out of his shell a little bit uh, in the second half. Um, that was really his first good offense half of the series. Um, didn't have a good showing in the first two games, so yeah, I think he's primed, ready to take over this series. Um, you know, and maybe have a little little duel between Donovan Mitchell and and Kawhi Leonard. Hopefully, it's head to head on the the Utah's offensive end. Um, and one other thing for the, the Clips, which they desperately need, is 
you know, playoff P to play like a playoff performer. Um, and he did last night. And, you know, this is what they expected when they signed him. You know, people forget he was third in MVP voting the year before they signed him. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they were expecting to get that guy. And when they signed him, you know, it was right after the Lakers assigned AD and they already had LeBron. And that was their their big two or d- dynamic duo, whatever you want to call it. You know, at the time, once they signed Paul George, I was like, I give the advantage to the Clippers because they have two elite wings that can do everything. They can shoot, they can pass, they can dribble, they can play defense, they can hit threes, they can get to the rim. You know, that's what the playoffs is built on, versatility. Being able to do all that and having the height to rebound as well. And, you know, I think if he keeps playing like this, they're going to be tough to beat too. I mean, and this is exactly what the Clippers were looking for from the beginning. Not yet. It... Paul George has been, like you said, that playoff P edition of him. I remember me being a Heat fan, those Pacer series with the young Paul, and I know there's been a lot to go on in his career since then, but just the fight that they showed against those teams that you know the guy wants it. Yeah, He, He wants it, and it's just like, can they string together enough what's going on in that locker room where things don't click because like you said if they click we should be talking about the clippers the way people talk about the nets yeah no that's true um you know on top of those two you know they've had a huge series from reggie jackson huge playoffs from him you know he's they traded lou williams in the off or not in the offseason at the trade deadline for rajon rondo who hasn't quite had uh, gone to playoff rondo mode yet no no um hasn't turned out what the clippers were hoping for but Reggie Jackson has played like Lou Williams did three years ago. Lou Williams dropped off the last couple of years, um, and they've gotten the much-needed production out of him, and he's playing with extreme confidence. I don't know if he ever lacked that. He's, he's never, <laughs> I don't think he's ever seen a shot that he, he, he doesn't like. So, um, you know, if they can keep getting production out of him, and I think their small ball lineups is the key to uh, to winning this series and trying to put Gobert in those pick-and-rolls and, roll and being able to switch everything uh, on defense is really helpful. Oh, yeah, like you said, with those taller wing guys, they have the versatility to make a lot of people's nights tough, especially if whatever big you have on the court isn't trying to score, or if they are trying to score, they're taking the ball out of Donovan Mitchell's hands, which is great defense in itself. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're in for a good series there. It looked like after the first two games, the Clippers might – um, go away softly and you know fade out like they did last year in the playoffs. But um, I think if Kawhi, Kawhi and Paul George play like that, it's it's definitely a series, and you know the Clippers might even be favored, um, even though the Jazz might be the better all around team because in the playoffs superstars win the series, and but you could easily have the best superstar could be Mitchell in this series. Do you think that the Clippers' performance early on in the series? is a little bit of Mavericks hangover and is that detrimental to them or does it make them a better team right now as they're trying to fight in this series? Uh, I, I, it's hard to read with this team. This team can be all over the place. Um, the last couple of years, you just, you don't know what you're going to get from them night to night. They're, they've been the most talented or one of the most talented teams the last couple of years. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest part is, like, neither Paul George or Kawhi Leonard is a great leader. Like, 
Kawhi Leonard doesn't talk, so that, that doesn't help. Um, he leads by example, obviously. And, yeah. and Paul George, you know, sure he's a decent leader, but like I've never seen him on the sidelines really coaching people up and like people really looking up to him. So I think that has a lot to do with their inconsistent play. Gotcha. So we decided to do a little exercise here, you know, talking about Donovan Mitchell. We, we didn't get a chance to talk about Trey Young too much, um, but – there's been, you know, Luca in the, these playoffs, um, Jason Tatum in the few games he got to play. You know, there's young players balling out all over the league, and it's not just in the playoffs, but it's, you know, becoming more evident that these guys are ready to take over the league as LeBron is getting ready to pass the torch. I don't think he's ready to do that just yet, but he's getting close. I mean, he's 36, and um, and these, these players are poised to take over the league, so... We uh, we both ranked our top five players under twenty five. Um, you know, essentially, who who would you want in the playoffs um, on your team to be your number one player? Um, so, free, what would what, you put as your top five? Give it to me. You you want to know who, or you want to? You need my five first, and then we'll we'll make some arguments. Start okay. Starting at five, I got my man Ja. All right, all right. I respect that. At four, different. at four, I went spider. All right. Then we get into these. I don't know how some people, I've seen a few other lists throughout the week. And people are talking about because they're in the playoffs or not. I think it was Jalen Rose. You can't leave Zion out. So I got Zion at three. Oh, Zion at three. All right. Then I got Tatum at two and Luka at one. Yeah, I mean, Luka is undeniable. He's obviously my one. I, I, got, I flipped Zion and Tatum. Um, we can we can argue about that. Um, I had Mitchell at four, just like you, and uh, I cheated and put Lamelo and Trey at five. five. Oh, okay, so both of them on your team, great. <laughs> yeah, I think two of them. So I'll put them at one. Two of them together, number one. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't leave Trey off, and I just wanted to make a case for Lamelo. Um, I mean, I honestly didn't. Most of it was because of his dad and his upbringing, and. He just seemed cocky, and um, and I just, I just, it was more his demeanor than his game that I didn't like. I didn't think he could shoot like he proved he could this year. I loved his passing ability. Uh, as Mr. No Look, you know, I, I respect a good passer, and he's an evolutionary passer. Like, I mean, That's he, real. like, he can, he's going to be very good in this league for a long time, and he's only 19 years old. Um, you know, the Hornets. The Hornets can make some noise next year if they stay healthy. You know, Gordon Hayward staying healthy is a big what if. But um, Terry Rozier, you know, played really well this year, and Lamelo is only going to get better. So I, I just like his game. I like his confidence. He's not afraid of anyone in the league, even though he's 19 years old. Um, but you know, I don't think many people would have necessarily put him up here in the top five. But uh, I think two years from now, that would definitely change. When he's 21. I was about to say, it's still a whole different. He's still super young, but like he's that good, and he's going to get better every year for the next like six, seven years. Well, I mean, unless we're talking about two years from now, then yeah, that could take some of the people oh, out of the oh, mix. Yeah, true. But what I to that point, you're saying you mentioned Lamelo. How could you even mention him at the five, six slot and skip over a Devin Booker or a, even a De'Aaron Fox? Yeah. How, how do you? How did? How does LaMelo get that over those two guys? Uh, it's more projection, I would say. Than, okay. Like, um, I mean, I love both of those players, especially 
Darren Fox. I mean, he's, he's been my guy since he was at Kentucky. Um, but, um, you know, they're, they're both really good. And that's the whole point of this argument is like, you give this list to 10 people. We had about 15 guys on our list here to choose from. You're going to get 10 different lists, even though like the top three are almost like concrete, like, but the rest of like, you can make a case for so many of these guys and I feel bad leaving some of them off, but, um, you, you got to. So another guy that probably wouldn't be on a lot of people's list, jaw, what, what, what put you on, what made you put him on your list? And it was crazy to, as I'm watching the playing games, and I love to see hoopers have to hoop. And so this version of Steph Curry is one of my favorite versions because I yeah. know what he's capable of, and he has to show us every night, or it's going to look bad for him. Yeah. They're, they're going to struggle if he doesn't show you an elite version of himself. He can't take a night off. And I was, I was like, okay, great. The Warriors can get in. And I was like, actually, I wouldn't be that mad if Ja gets in. I, you know what? Let him fight it out. And the fight he showed, the gritty showed. It, I mean, it was worth it just to see him try to dunk on Rudy Gobert every chance he got. Ooh, that, that's, that's, yeah. what, that's almost why I put him in mind, just for that. Because <laughs> I just respect that he's just trying to embarrass the best and, shot blocker. In the league, and that's the only reason he's doing it. He's going to disrespect anybody anywhere near the rim. The Kevin Love one. I still think he made that dunk. I don't know <laughs> what y'all saw, but that went in, and that's one of the greatest dunks of all time. Yeah, we'll remember that way. <laughs> but nah, Ja, I think what he brings, almost like you mentioned with some other guys, I think his leadership to a team as far as emotionally, I think he's got it there, and he wants it. And he's the floater package, the handle, the jump. The jump shot is something you like. Oh, he kind of he kind of shooting it a little bit today. So, like, if we're talking about and if, if we're talking about some years, job might move up the list. Yeah, he and definitely I, could. I mean, he's he's super talented. He plays hard. Um, he's super athletic. Um, he's a good leader. Like, there's a lot of things to like about him. So, I'm glad you put him on your list. It was good. So let's let's talk about. So you had Tatum over Zion. Let me let me hear your reason for that. Almost what you spoke about with AD and LeBron yeah. and um, having Paul George and Kawhi. I think Tatum's in that kind of fold of a wing guy, lonely guard, a lot of positions, quick on his feet. I'm drafting this team, and I don't know who else is on my team, John. Yeah. I, I don't know who else is on the team. And I know in, you got to build a team around Zion in, a, in the proper way. It's got to be constructed in a way. No matter where you play, if you pick up Jason Tatum, it's going to work out yeah, you can very get 60 well. For you yeah, no, night. <laughs> and so I think that that is kind of what puts him ahead for me. Is that I know any situation I throw him into, it's fine. But I think Zion is special. Yeah, I mean we're obviously picking nits here when we're picking you know the five best players you know under twenty five. So I mean. I, I completely agree with everything you said about Tatum. I just think Zion is so special and unique, and he's just an unstoppable force. Like in a lot of ways, he's like Shaq um, with how dominant he can be. And um, Tatum is super skilled, great player, scored all levels, good defender, got this you know height and size and the body, and he's he's got he's got the whole package. And and so I can see why he did that. And um, but I, I just 
I just think Zion's just one of a kind. Um, and that's kind of what vaulted him above Tatum for me. But, you know, once again, we're picking nits. Here, right. So. And, but I mean, even to that point, as you're talking about the unstoppable nature of Zion, I'm, I'm not in the camp of taking somebody like Giannis. Giannis is an elite talent, multiple time MVP. But if we're talking about the bet, I'm not going to put Giannis in a spot where I might instead put Kawhi if Kawhi feels like playing. But that that's the type of guy I would choose on my team as a Kawhi type instead of a you want the Giannis type. Yeah, I need because I don't. The Bucks have to be built properly around Giannis, or it doesn't work. It won't work. Kawhi and, so, and LeBron and KD, you just throw whoever around. I mean, not that Kyrie and Hartner, whoever. Right. But but you can throw whoever around. Them. Right. And they'll make something happen. Something where they, they might lose in the first round. Who knows? What, but that it won't be the toughest thing for them to be individually to be successful and also the team. I think in the wrong situation, it could be tough for Giannis to be successful. Yeah. And... He's the same for Zion. We've seen that in the playoffs with Giannis, so that's that's a fair argument, and and you know hopefully we'll see with Zion soon um, in the playoffs. Um, you know the Pelicans got a little work to do in mm-hmm. the off season to get that team right, but and they also got to try to call the commissioner and ask him to move him to the East or something, and <laughs> yeah, get get that an additional help. team yeah. out here. That would help. But uh, so we'll go ahead and wrap it there. I appreciate anyone out there listening. Um, you know, please check us out, MrNoLook.com. You can find me on Twitter at jwhited, W-H-I-T-E-D, 5. And then at on Instagram at jwhited757. Thanks. Bye.